Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We are in the middle of silly season right now. The transfers are coming in hot and heavy. The transfer rumors are emerging every day. And it seems like just about all of our top 15, 20 U.S. Men's National Team players are linked with a move in some form or fashion. Some of them have already been announced. Some of them sound like they could be announced imminently. And then some of them are, you know, curious perspective rumors at this point. Now, to break it all down and kind of discuss what in the world is going on with our team, I brought on one of the fan favorites from the Yank Report. He is Adam Turner. He is USMNT Stan on Twitter. At least one of the USMNT stands. I understand that there's another one out there right now. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's like imitations, the sincerest form of flattery <laughs> I heard. So I was I was excited. Like I think I'm Stan USMNT, and then there's now USMNT Stan. So we're just we're gonna have a party, me and him. I'm excited. <laughs> All right, Adam, let's jump right in, man. And I think the, the first guy we gotta talk about is uh is the main man, the guy we always gotta talk about. He is Christian Polisic, and there has been so much interesting discussion going on around Christian Polisic. Uh we know since he's arrived at Chelsea, people have been frustrated with how he's been utilized, uh, especially by Thomas Tuchel, whether or not he's in the long-term plans for Thomas Tuchel. Um there a, a few seasons ago, uh Chelsea brought on a lot of big name transfers in Ziek and Werner um, and, and the other guy whose name I always forget, the, the tall German guy. Uh, Lukaku has yeah. come through and left at this point. And it looks like Chelsea is ready to reload once again. Uh, they are heavily linked to a move to uh, move with Raheem Sterling. And now it seems like Rafina, the Brazilian winger from, uh, from Leeds, is also pretty close to making a move with Chelsea. So those are two pretty high-profile moves coming in. Now, it sounds like there are a number of guys that are potentially making their way out. It sounds like they're that between uh, Juventus and Chelsea, there's a lot of discussion of potentially Werner or Pulisic or Ziek, any one of those guys coming, uh, leaving in exchange for uh, one of their players. There's just all, and then there's other rumors connecting Christian and some of these other players uh, to teams all over the place, specifically to Italy, which is interesting. Uh, but I'm curious, what are your thoughts right now on the Christian Pulisic situation as it stands? Yeah, I mean, can we just like talk about Thomas Tuchel wanting to bring in more wingers when the dude doesn't? seem to know how to his system doesn't seem to utilize wingers at all like I don't think the talent of the Chelsea wingers has been the problem like I don't know like like is Sterling better than the guys that they've had like yeah yeah he is for sure definitely more proven but is it that different is is Rafina that much like I don't know I I just I feel like you're just kind of like shuffling to shuffle and you're not probably going to address the core issues here at play which is like You've had really talented attackers who have thrived right at at the stops they've all had beforehand, and none of them are thriving now. And if you told me it was like just Pulisic and and Werner, I'd be like, okay, maybe just two guys can't. But it's like Pulisic, Werner, Lukaku, Havertz, Ziyech. Like none of those guys have been able to figure it out on the front line at all. And Tuchel hasn't been able to figure it out. And so it's just such a weird – like it's time to reset, but like – Good riddance to Chelsea if Pulisic's out, like figure it out. Good luck, guys. And I'm really pumped to get him to a place where he can thrive. I've said for a long time, Sam, I, th- I said, like, I think that my ideal level for him is where he knows every day I'm needed here and the level's still high enough that he's going to be challenged and pushed and playing Champions League and playing in big matches for either Champions League, 
uh, spots or for titles. And I think he can do, I, I love Italy for that, man. I think there's multiple clubs in Italy that he can get that done. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports development, including this year's basketball championship finals, the NHL hockey conference finals, Major League Baseball, and the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet online, where the game starts. It, it, you mentioned some of the uh, attacking players that have um, have had issues scoring for Chelsea, and it's not just issues on the field. There's a lot of rumors about issues off the field, and a lot of the players that you named, um, at least in the press, it sounds like uh, they're upset with their situation at Chelsea and, and want to get out of there, and I think all that ties into uh, the amount of rotation that Tuchel's doing with these players and, and their lack of uh, productivity on the field. Uh, we know that Lukaku who uh, was upset about the way he was being used in that offense because he came out in the press and said that, and now he's on his way out uh, heading back to enter. Uh, it's, it, we've heard rumors that Ziek is upset about that. We got the Christian Pulisic's dad's tweet uh, that leads us to believe that maybe Christian is not happy about the way he's being utilized with that club. Uh, so that makes sense. But with this um, with this rotating door situation going on at Chelsea, somebody's got to stay, right? Somebody out of uh, Ziyech, Werner, Havertz, uh, Pulisic, like somebody's sticking around. I feel like still that Pulisic's going to be the guy that's sticking around, that it's going to end up be um, maybe Rafinha, Sterling, Pulisic, Mount, Havertz. Uh, staying at that club. Um, it's it's interesting that Lukaku left, but I haven't heard many forwards coming back. So I can very much see Pulisic sticking around, um, e- even though a move to Italy would, would be really interesting. Yeah, the return on the investment is going to be the tricky part for them, right? They That's a big investment. And I think like letting him go for where the market probably is for him right now, which mm-hmm. you know is decent, but is it 60 70 80 million probably not right i don't think anybody's paying that especially teams in italy aren't paying that and so mm-hmm. the rumor i heard today that i liked it a lot was like you know two juventus four delict and it's like mm-hmm. pulley and cash for delict and that makes a lot of sense i've heard chelsea's interested in delict you know they're looking maybe for a bargaining chip which bargaining chip does does uve want and i i read that you know out of out of a lot of those options, Ziek, you know, Pooley, Werner, uh, Pulisic is the one that really, um, I think, uh, got uh, Juventus's interest up. So I'd be excited if 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 he's there with McKenny. Like that would just be fun, yeah. right? I mean, he'll have to fight for a spot there. He's not going to be handed a spot there. You never are. But I like that level. Um, you know, I. I like Milan. I've liked the Milan clubs for him. I've pushed that. I don't know how possible that it is. I don't even know if there's rumors, but I've really just been a fan of like, can he go to AC Milan and just ball? I feel like it's, there's a little less pressure at that level too. You know, Juve, maybe not, but like AC Milan, I know it's a big club. I know within the city, it's a lot of mm-hmm. pressure, but there's definitely not as much worldwide pressure when it comes to like Syria in general and certainly the Milan clubs. Um, I don't know. I, I want him to get comfortable, man. Like sports, So much of sports and confidence is about comfort level. And can you just get to somewhere where you can gain comfort level, gain confidence, know everybody's got your back, and then just go be yourself. And that's what we really never saw him do other than a few months here and there in his time at Chelsea. Yeah, 
I've seen connections between uh, Pulisic and AC Milan, but I've also seen more recently that it's more Ziyech that they're after um, with AC Milan than, than Pulisic. Uh, the the swap deal for over at Juventus for Christian would be super interesting to, to see just Weston and Christian on the field at the same time. But there's also rumors surrounding a potential Weston McKinney exit. I mean, he's always yeah. been rumored uh, to leave that club. Um, so it's it's something that we're, we're still monitoring and we're seeing every day. I think an important point that you brought up there was like being at a place where you're wanted uh where you feel like you're the guy and and a a frustrating thing is even if he makes a move in this window he's not going to be the club the club that he goes to like main guy you know it's not like there's a club out there that was ready to say you know name your price Chelsea whatever it is we want to get Christian Pulisic to to be brought on into Juve for a swap deal is kind of like uh, okay, uh, is he in the plans? Is he not in the plans? How do they see him over there? You know, it's it's not exactly that uh, we want you to be, come in and be the guy for us type of move that we really want. But um, you know, it, at the end of the day, it's all going to be about how he uh, plays on the field. If he's able to stay healthy, we've seen throughout his career that when he's healthy. And he's he's on the field. He can be very productive. He can be uh, elite at times, um, de- depending on you know how, what kind of form he's in. So that's just the most important thing for him. Let's this, move on this to is the whole, hey, real quick, Sam. This is the problem yeah. with getting sold for a lot of money, right? Because I think this is going to play into some of our other discussions. Like when you get sold for a lot of money, it makes you usually make more money when that happens. You can like demand more money, then it becomes really hard to sell you other than to other teams who can yeah. afford that. But the problem with like, I think Pepe's going to run into this down the road, right? I, we've already John seen Brooks it is in, in it right now. That's exactly right. Like, bro, like we've seen this with a lot of guys when you get sold for this much money and then your, you know, your salary is this much to go to the level you need to go to in order to actually play to thrive. Yeah. They can't afford, they can't afford you. And that's like, that's my biggest fear with CP. And so I hope we can kind of find a spot that fits all the needs. Yeah, luckily John Brooks was able to play through that, but um, uh, gosh, oh man, Bobby Wood is one that got a big contract over in Germany, yep. but then fell out of the plans, and he was just getting too much money for the club to sell him on, so he ended up just kind of sitting on the bench for a couple of yeah. years during the prime of his career, and ends up back at uh, RSL and MLS. Yeah, it's it's definitely an issue. Uh, luckily, he seems to have enough value that he's being used. He's going to be utilized no matter what. Like yeah. I don't think yeah. I'm not worried about him getting shelved at any point. It's just uh, we want him in a situation where he's playing the most. Let's let's move on to uh, Weston McKinney. There's not a lot of strong links out there for Weston McKinney, a player that's been linked to Tottenham many many times um, throughout his tenure at Juventus. Uh, it seems like Tottenham signed a um, midfielder in Ives Bissouma, uh, who is largely playing the Weston McKinney role. So so that's kind of died down. Um, Juventus brought in Paul Pogba, which is a massive signing. I mean, it wasn't too long ago that Pogba was, you know, the most, uh, the hottest commodity in world soccer and signed a massive contract to go uh, from Juventus over to Manchester United. Uh, Not a great time for him over there, but now he's back at Juventus and I'm, I'm, sure that expectations are very high it's a Juventus squad that uh, in recent memory hasn't lived up to the Juventus name that that we saw you know not too long ago Um, they were out of the Scudetto race really this year Um, so Juventus is looking to reload and get back up to that level Uh, what are you expecting from from Wes McKinney this season you think he stays at Juventus right now and and do you think he's going to be able to crack the lineup with uh with with Juve really reloading for for a big run in Serie A? Yeah, man, you're at that level. 
similar to like what I said about Pulisic. And it's like, there's no guarantees if you go to Juve, you're playing if you're Pulisic. I know a lot of our fans like to think that, like, oh, he'll play there. I'm like, these are tough levels, man. They, they, it's like eat or be eaten. And even sometimes mm-hmm. when you're playing pretty well, you might get eaten. Like, so, you know, is McKinney a world class player? No, he's not. He has a lot of really good qualities and still potential to grow, but I don't see him as like a world class box to box. And that is what those kind of teams are always going to be striving for. You know, you're Chelsea and you have a winger who's not putting up 15 goals and 15 assists. They're going to be looking around going, where's the winger that can put up 15 goals, 15 assists, right? If you're, you know, if you're Juve and, you know, your aspiration is we are a Champions League winner, that is their aspiration, right? Like that's how much money they're spending. That's what they expect in return. They're always looking around, man. So I think they've looked around and they've gone, let's bring back in Pogba. You know, if we can re- recapture the flame that he had with us and with France, you know, he can be a guy that can be a, you know, Champions League winner. The question is, is he that guy anymore? You know, I don't, I, mm-hmm. I don't know, right? People love to talk about the World Cup run. That was 2018. That was a long time ago. Like, and he hasn't played much, very much great soccer since 2018, you know, for Man U. So I, um, I think it's tough competition. I think it's going to make West better. I expect West to stay. I expect West to play, but will he be kind of a locked in starter like he, you know, was for most of the, you know, especially second half of this year? That's definitely up in the air. You know, there's a lot of good midfielders in that in that mix. So, uh, and I'm okay, honestly, if Wes is getting good run, not bench, but getting okay run off the bench, starting some games, he's good. It's it's a good level for another at least year or two for him. It's 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 an interesting discussion because I think it's one that USMNT fans have a lot. Like, how good is Weston McKinney? It's a discussion that we had whenever he was at Schalke. I mean, nobody expected him to go to Juventus and do what he's done so far. Uh, and there's things that you can criticize about Weston's game, certainly. His, his, tech, his uh, technical play at times, his, you know, his touch at times, his passing, his combination play at times. But I, I think... A big part of who Weston McKinney is, is like an absolute elite top of the food chain, 1% athlete in, in world soccer. Uh, you know, there's always those, those people out there that say like, what if America's best, best athletes play professional soccer? Uh, how good would the USA be? Well, Weston McKinney's that guy. I mean, he is unbelievable. He's off the charts in his uh, leaping ability, in his uh, running and his closing down. I mean, every few games you get a clip where Weston either charges 40 yards down the field to break up a play on a tackle, or he charges 40 yards up the field to get on the end of a cross. And whenever he gets in the box, we know what he can deliver. He just does so many good things whenever he's on the field that it sort of makes up for sort of the areas where he's he's uh, not as crisp on the ball as some of the other Juventus midfielders around him. And, you know, we, we try to we try to dock him for that. But the players that he was sending to the bench the last few seasons at Juventus are some very, very good players. I mean, these aren't scrubs. So I, I, I still, you know, the, the, I think the jury's going to be out on Weston McKinney for, for a while now. It's hard. I, 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 he's just a player that's really tough to put in any sort of box. So um, but let's, do you have anything else on Weston before we move on to the next guy? I liked your point about his, like, I, as you said, he's an elite athlete. I was like, oh, I could totally see Weston McKinney as a running back, right? In a different, uh, multi, in, in like the multiverse, right? A different version he of could, our universe. He could be a professional baseball a player. You see him as a, yeah, as an outfielder, like absolutely, like any of those things, I could see his body type, his athleticism, just his general athletic ability, right? Eye hand court, all that stuff. I could see him, hey, let's take Wes and let's go, let's rewind it 25 years and let's reset him as a baseball player. 
you know, does he become an MLB player? Like, definitely could see that. So, I, I, anyway, random, but I just love that thought. I was like running through yeah. all the sports in my head. It's it's the impact that he has on games is most felt whenever he's not in the game. If you look at the USMNT, whenever he's not on the field versus whenever he is, I mean, the things that we're able to do, just his his ability to just pull off the unexpected because a few times a game Weston's going to do something that you're absolutely not expecting him to do and he's one of the few players on the field that can do it whether that's a a 40 yard ball that's like inch perfect that he just pulls out of nowhere or it's this massive run or it's it's taking three players on and getting into the final third and laying it off or it's getting into the box and and getting on the end of something out leaping everybody uh to create a play he he does this consistently um and, and it's it, because, you know, there's at times where he, he loses the ball in the midfield or something or he doesn't have the cleanest pass or something like that, we dock him for that. But we forget about those other moments that he brings. It's, and it's, just, it's, not, pr- it's not pretty soccer with him, right? Yeah, and I think so yeah. many of us are obsessed with, like, trying to strive for, for beautiful soccer. But, man, is he impactful. Like, I, I'll stay it's on brand. so and just, impactful. I'll, st- I'll stay on brand and give you a basketball analogy. Um, P.J. Tucker, right? And I'm not saying... Thing they're analogous, right? But like PJ Tucker, not a pretty basketball player at all. But like the dude will knock down a corner three, he'll guard your toughest player, he'll be, you know, tough as nails, getting offensive rebounds. Like he makes an impact. And that's where it is analogous, is he finds a way to make an impact, even though he's not a beautiful player, even though he's not LeBron or John Morant or yeah. these beautiful basketball players. And that's Wes. He just like he gets stuff done, man. Like and constantly is in the mix. Like the ball's around and Wes is there, you know, in the box, yeah. out of the box, defensive third. So, God, I love him, man. But let's stop talking about him. <laughs> I always say he's he's rarely the best at anything on the team, but he's like top three in everything on the team. And, and that type of player Agreed. is just so impactful. Let's move on to Serginho Dest. Uh, Serginho Dest has been a willy wonty at Barcelona basically since he arrived. I mean, every week you read an article that says Xavi hates Dest. Xavi loves Dest. Uh, Dest is going to be the future at right back for Barcelona. Dest is going to be on the next train out of Barcelona. It's just been all over the place. I mean, recently there's been um, a lot of conversation about a swap deal uh, between Chelsea and Barcelona for Marcus Alonso that uh, Dest could end up over at Stanford Bridge. Um, what are your thoughts on uh, Serginho Dest and, and kind of what's going on with him at Barca? Uh, do you think that that's, and, and by the way, some context to this as well, Dest, at least reportedly, likes being at Barca. He wants to stay at Barca, uh, and, and he seems to be kind of slowing up any moves to get him out of there. So what are your thoughts on, uh, on, on Dest and a potential move to Chelsea? Yeah, one, one more year at Barca, you know, new manager this year in the middle of the season, right? So I just I would give it one more year and see if you can really stay and, and establish yourself. It's a great spot for him. I mean, it's it is a aspirational spot for him very early in his career, but he's shown some flashes, man, where you're like, he's had flashes of play where you're like, this guy, I think ESPN put him as like a top 10 right back. I don't know if that's a hundred percent accurate, but like it's to the to my point, it's like he's shown flashes where you're like, that's world class. This is a world class guy. Even they put him at right wing and he did some good stuff last year. You know, another guy, he's at a really tough level where they're always going to be looking around. If you're not performing at the absolute peak, they're going to look around and go, who can give us Champions League quality? Uh, but man, if they give him another year or two and they invest in him, you know, I think he's the kind of guy that Xavi could get to thrive there. Um, I, I like, I wouldn't mind Chelsea for him, actually, as much as I don't like, you know, Pulisic with Tuchel. 
I think the the three in the back and the wing back thing would would fit him really well. Um, I just don't know what's Chelsea doing with right backs. Don't they have a bunch of right backs? What's the deal with that? So I like that would confuse me a little bit. Yeah. But the system makes sense. But yeah, yeah, they, stay, stay stay there one more year. That's my opinion. They have Reese James, who is one of the best right backs in the Premier League. I mean, he's unbelievable. Um, Think about Reese James is, you know, Chelsea runs the three in the back system. We've seen Reese James pop up in some different positions for Chelsea, whether it is the right center back role or a midfield role. I don't know if if Tuchel is looking to get Reese James involved in other aspects. And and Chelsea also has... uh, they, they don't really have backup right back. Um, so that would be a role that, that Des could potentially fill. I think if he gets to Chelsea, he would definitely get minutes. But I, I mean, Reese James is the guy for sure. Reese James is one of the best right backs in the world. So I, I don't think that Des would um, be able to get in over him if, if, if Chelsea's looking to deploy Reese James there. But I, I do agree with, with your sentiment there. I, I don't know if I love Des in the Premier League. Uh, just because it's yeah. a lot more physical of a league, and I don't know if he's going to be able to do quite as much on the ball as he gets to do in Barca. I mean, you watch these games for Barca, and Des picks up the ball, and there's just so much space on the field, and, and guys are so spaced out, and he has so much opportunity to combine or take players on or kind of do those things that we really love to see from Serginho Des. I don't know if that would be an analogous to the Premier League. I, I don't know if he would have that, that much joy on the field. It's a really good point, I think, and something we haven't really even talked touched on yet, right? Is I think Premier League for me was never the league for Pulisic. Um, it is the league. It might be the league for McKenney, honestly. Like, McKenney might thrive in the EPL. And then I think the next guy we're going to talk about, Tyler Adams, could really thrive in the EPL with his style of play. But much to your point right there, like, is that the best style and 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 playing style for Dest? Like, I don't think so. So really good call outs, I think, you know, and, and something that just stuck out to me as we've gone through these first three guys and probably our three of our biggest guys, if not our three biggest yeah. guys, is they're all in places, you know, that, that have brought us joy to see our guys play in. But are they in the places that they're going to like find their footing and their best soccer over the next couple of years? And that's very much up in the air. And I'm interested to see. Yeah, uh, if any of the three are, I don't want to rule it out and say no because I think it could happen. They're all so young, but the answer could be no. It could be that they all need to figure out a way to like just go one half level down. They don't go too far down, half level mm-hmm. down to find their best soccer. But uh, I, th- I think Des can make it work there. I, I have I have faith in that one. Uh, you're right. At these clubs, in order to have a sustained run as a true starter on one of those clubs, you have to be among the the top players at your position and that's a difficult spot to be if you're 20 22 23 years old uh kind of breaking in and every season they're going to reload they're going to be bringing in the best of the best players that they can find um at your position and pushing you and and we've seen that um with christian and we've seen that with weston and and that's not going to change anytime soon that's just how those clubs do business and i feel like some of our fans think that a failure at chelsea or failure at barca or failure at, at, at Juventus is failure and it's not like these are things that have happened to the uh, world class De Bruyne Lukaku you go through this whole list of dudes who have failed at that level from 20 to 23 right and gone somewhere and gone okay I'm gonna go thrive at whatever uh, uh, a Monaco or uh, I mean a million different types of clubs right and that's okay and so I just want to remind everybody of that that like if this doesn't work out there's no reason to panic like these guys are amazing soccer players. They're going to have mm-hmm. learned a lot from the experiences they had at these levels. And if they have to take a step down, they're going to be all the better for it, in my opinion. Yeah, the, the transfer window 
is so wild and it's i know transfer discussion is is a really fun thing for people to do uh it's a really fun discourse to have but to to pretend like you know how a player is going to work out at a club or, or like you you understand things at a level that's that's higher than even the clubs do i mean the failure rate on these transfers is so much higher than anybody gives it credit for and, and it's not just a young player trying to break through at a new club or something like that. Even the biggest transfers in the world, even Pogba to Manchester United or um, Eden Hazard to I'll keep going, right? Eden has all the, yeah, like it triple figure transfers things that are like Eden Hazard to Real Madrid was an absolute slam dunk. I mean, the dude dominated the Premier League for years over at Chelsea probably the best player in the Premier League. He gets over to Real Madrid, and he's he's struggling to get on the field right now. I mean, there's been a lot of issues regarding that, but that, it just goes to show that there's, like, these, these things are, are unpredictable. They're as Gries, unpredictable as Griezmann, anything else. Griezmann to Barca, right? That was like a lock it, in, lock it up, absolutely. Dude is money in the bank. And Lukaku to Chelsea. Sense. Absolutely. Lukaku goes yeah. to Chelsea. How could the team not? I mean, how could that not work? It's the absolute thing you need. And and look what happens a year later. Anyway, Which let's makes, move it on. Always make, it, it always makes me think like Holland to uh, Man City. Yeah. I, like, I, th- I think that will work. But I don't know. You know, yeah, you never know. Who knows? But exactly. Uh, yeah, I mean, gosh, I remember uh, not too long ago, whenever uh, Liverpool brought in uh, Andy Carroll for all that money, oh, yeah. they brought in Andy Carroll and um, gosh, uh, the the <laughs> Uruguayan forward whose name I always forget. Uh, Suarez, the great Uruguayan, yeah, Suarez, yeah, they brought him in and uh, Andy Carroll bounced out of there pretty quick. Suarez became one of the great strikers yeah, of the yeah. generation, <laughs> and Torres went to Chelsea. And was just never able to replicate that form that he had at Liverpool. Yep. I mean, the 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 move that everybody circled was like, oh, Torres is going to go to Chelsea, and that's going to be unstoppable. Anyway, Tyler Adams, Tyler Adams has uh, the the player often referred to as the most important player on the U.S. men's national team right now. He is heavily linked to Leeds. Uh, the thing that was holding the move up was that Calvin Phillips was uh, being linked heavily to Manchester City. Uh, Calvin Phillips has made that move. Uh, so it, it looks like the uh, Adams move to um, Leeds is going to happen, but there's another snag, and it's complicated, and it has to do with a loan move between RB Leipzig and leads that happened where there was a stipulation in the contract that got affected by COVID. And now like RB Leipzig wants to recoup like millions of dollars for this. And leads is like, no, we don't want to pay you because it was outside of the contract because of COVID very complicated situation. It sounds like all sides want this Tyler Adams deal to happen. Uh, but we'll, we'll see how that actually plays out. Cause it seems like a really sketchy situation um, with, with the, uh, with the loan deal. But anyway, let's, let's, let's assume that this goes through. What are your thoughts on uh, Tyler Adams right now? A player that's receiving a lot of backlash right now from us M and T fans. He's, he's uh, being held in the lowest regard uh, at any point that I can remember uh, in the last, I don't know, four, four years with Tyler Adams. People turn on you fast, man. In this, (laughs) we turned on Pulisic so fast. We turned on McKinney in like a weekend. Like, and this is, I mean, I'm sure if you follow me on Twitter, any of you guys, like you see it, that's the number one thing I push back on is just like chill for a couple months, guys. Like I get that he's not in the best form. Anyway, hey, I'm just going to keep building on our conversation here and, and put Adams into it. 
we were just talking about all these moves that didn't work out, right? The Coutinho, mm-hmm. you know, move to Barca, the Griezmann move to Barca, the, you know, you go through a million of them, right? These $100 million moves that haven't worked out. Adam's not a $100 million move, but my point is this, fit is everything. The reason those moves typically don't work is it's just not good fit. The guy doesn't fit well in the system with the, you know, with the philosophy of the club, with the players around them. And when I, I've been a big Leeds fan for the last couple of years, just honestly from watching the show, right? The show that that's out about, has been out about them was just riveting. Um, and they're like, you know, come up from, from the, the championship. It's really cool show. Um, so got to know a lot of their players through that. And then just like kind of became an unofficial Leeds fan and have watched probably more of their games out of EPL teams than anyone. They've been fun to watch too. Always fun mm-hmm. soccer to yeah. watch. I think the fit is unbelievable for Adams there. I just think like, the way that they were playing under Bielsa and then the way that I think Marsh was able to adapt that to kind of like fit what he does. It's all Tyler Adams, man. It's like high effort, high energy. It rewards what he's great at and it very much hides what he's not great at. And unless you're going to be a world-class player, you're going to have weaknesses, right? Mm -hmm. And even world-class players have weaknesses. And that's why fit matters so much because if you're Griezmann and you're going to Barca, you know, are they going to use you in a way that they're going to hide your weaknesses and accentuate your strengths? Right. And this is what we see with like, why is PFOC not thrive on the USMNT? You, I think in in a big way, it's because we don't do a good job of hiding his weaknesses and accentuating his strengths. Maybe it's our system. To your point, the the Brazilian coach just came out and had a big criticism of PSG for their usage of Neymar. I don't know if you saw that, but yes, yes, yes. This is it, man. This is like, and this is it. Like if you're going to, especially if you're going to invest money in these guys, you got to make sure they fit what you do, or you have to be willing to flex to make sure that you can fit them in. And that's where, gosh, I'm sorry to go off on a little tangent here. Clubs like Liverpool are just so brilliant, man. They seem to target the exact right guys that fit what they do Mm -hmm. or they, once that guy comes in, I don't know tactics well enough. They shift tactics in a way that they're able to fit in so seamlessly. It's really cool. And I, when I just, when I watch Leeds play and I watch Tyler Adams play, it just seems like a marriage made in heaven. My hope is Marsh has another, at least year or two. It's always tricky with managers and at that level, they could be out, but I think it's going to be a great spot for him for the next couple of years. And is if they try and keep that same DNA, which you know they may do, um, it's just a it's a good fit, good level for him. I think EPL, uh, you know, is also a good level for him. Like I just said yeah. before, and I really want him to get back to being him because I definitely think mm-hmm. he's lost some confidence since uh, uh, since Leipzig kind of went this different direction. He lost some confidence and definitely has lost some confidence with the national team. Um, and I see a guy who isn't playing confident soccer and much like our other top guys, we need that for November. Yeah. I've, I've just never doubted Tyler Adams, man. I mean, he's, a, he's a player just the way that he carries himself and, and the mentality that he has, he just seems like he's a player that's going to overcome no matter what, what you throw at him. Uh, it's, it's interesting. You bring up, uh, Liverpool and the way that they've gone about their business. And I, I know, um, w- one of the tangential conversations that's going on in the U S soccer community right now is about advanced analytics and how that's being utilized by the top clubs in the world. And, uh, I, I read a quote, quote recently um about liverpool and they said like you need to pay attention whenever liverpool the the uh, analytics department at liverpool says that we need to go after a guy because that tends to work out really well and that's what they did whenever they went after their um gosh what's the uh colombian winger's name 
that they brought in recently. I'm, I'm blanking on D- his name. Diaz. Luis, Luis Diaz. Yeah, right. yeah, and, and you saw the way that he just fl- fit flawlessly into that club. I know you have a little experience uh, working with in, in the advanced analytics department. Can you kind of break down a little bit about what's going on with advanced analytics and how these clubs are using that to uh, target transfers? Yeah, it's really it's really interesting, man. So like Diaz, so actually we we um, company I work for, we we've had a lot of talks with teams. We were a uh, tech based corporation and we're you know have a lot of different wings and one of the wings is building sports analytics systems and so i've been a part of a lot of conversations two mls clubs that we've worked with closely and then a couple european clubs that um we kind of had like month-long almost interviews as to whether or not they wanted to use us and so really interesting to be a part of these conversations to you know a lot of it was just kind of riffing and like asking them what their philosophies were and what they could share with us and what they needed and one of the club, one of the clubs, right, mentioned Liverpool by name, and it was actually a really interesting conversation. The guy was a great guy, just like willing to kind of open up and share. And one of the things that he shared, which I found fascinating, was it was like, "Hey, watch Liverpool and tell me how many English players they buy." And I was like, "Huh?" And he was like, "Liverpool will never buy an English player." unless they can get some young English guy on the cheap, right? Or an academy guy that comes up like, a you know, Trent, Trent Alexander-Arnold. And the reason is they're all overpriced, right? Which I think we know, but like, yeah. it's just simple stuff like that. Like that is a core tenant for them, right? They're always going to go get the guy playing in Portugal who they can get on the cheap because nobody really values that guy at the same level. And they're not going to go go pay 120 for Jack Grealish or whatever City did. City actually is the same way. City very rarely buys English players. One of their only whiffs seems to be Grealish. Right. And that could still work out. But, you know, it seems to be the one thing that they spent way too much money on that just, you know, isn't up to their up to their level. And so, yeah, it's interesting to kind of have some of those conversations. There's some easy core tenants like that. There's some other stuff that's like proprietary that a lot of clubs were like, yeah, yeah, we have some stuff we're using. We don't really want to share that with you because they don't want us to use it and then go sell it to another club. Right. Like they don't want us to like. And so they're really protective of it. But a lot of it, yeah, they are diving in, man. Like when they are, when a lot of these clubs are signing a player, they want to know, you know, everything about their background, right? And everything about, you know, their you know, soccer background. They want every single stat they can possibly get their hands on. You know, if you actually, you know, see Y Scout is going down into like second, third, fourth tiers now, not because mm-hmm. the fourth tiers need it, but because top tiers want advanced stats on guys playing in fourth and third, third and fourth tiers, young guys. They need more advanced data to make these decisions. And so, you know, what are those stats? There's a million and one of them, right? I mean, they have there's like player and passing connection stats that are really cool. That's like how effectively does a player move the ball? And then there's like ratings and scales that show how often are they moving it forward and breaking lines versus sideways. And like these clubs have crazy proprietary passing stats and shooting stats that are, you know, using XG or using... Uh, you know, the chance that's created and they're backtracking into the passes that were made on the back line. It is really cool stuff, man. And yeah. like there, there is no doubt, like people who push back against it. It's like these clubs, the best clubs have have this stuff built in and they are signing yeah. Luis, D- Luis Diaz, not because they eye tested and went, he's good. It's because they eye tested and went, he's good. And man, he checks every other box that we need to invest in this guy. So, yeah, it's interesting stuff. 
Yeah, it's super interesting, man. And like you said, whenever you look at um, what these what these clubs are doing to be successful, especially smaller clubs that are competing with the big guys um, th- that have ro- risen up through the um, through the pyramid system and gotten to the top leagues, it's fascinating. And like you said, they're they're collecting data. They collect data on absolutely everything, everything. and what they're actually identifying and looking at. That's the priority. Pri- proprietary information that's what they don't want you to know what is it that they're looking at that they feel like is going to give them an edge that helps them understand uh how that player is going to project with their squad super interesting stuff let's move on let's uh quickly touch on brendan aronson the other leads boy uh he had he secured a 29 million dollar uh uh transfer over to leads a lot of money man a lot of money, especially whenever you consider like how much Tyler Adams, the, the, what they're looking for for him and some of the other Americans out there. Uh, Brendan Harrison's $30, 29000000 million is a significant amount of money. Uh, very quickly, how do you see him playing for Leeds? I know you're a big Leeds fan. Yeah, uh, love the fit. I think what Leeds suffered from last season was they just weren't able to quite score as much as they did in their first year up. And there were a lot of reasons for that, but I think that creativity, they were lacking some creativity in those midfield and kind of winger positions. And I think he brings that right away, you know, and you talked about Rafinha moving on. And I think like, if that happens, he's a natural, you know, fit to kind of fill in some of that playmaking, uh, the playmaking usage that Rafinha had. And so love the fit. This, this is a good one. Price tag is all like, we've already talked about in this exact episode, price tag is always an issue and not for right now. It's fine, but like future moves, that's just what worries about me about price tags where I'm like, Whoa, that much. Because it's like, you know, three years from now, if he needs a move, you know, it becomes more difficult. But um, I, I think this is a good spot for him for the next two, three years. Perfect, I think, level up and development up to your league conversation. Is it the best league for him? Maybe, maybe not. But I think the way that they play fits him well enough that I think that can uh, counterbalance it. That fascinating thing for Leeds about me right now is this is a team that uh, just just cleared relegation this season and yet is yep. selling these players to these top clubs for this exorbitant amount of money. It's pretty wild how all that works. Uh, another player that just secured a move, I think it's secured today. I think I saw the pictures of him in the jersey today. Uh, Jordan Pifok ends up at uh, Union Berlin for a $6 million transfer. Uh, Pifok, a player that is always a, a, a hot topic of discussion in U.S. soccer circles. Uh, what do you think about <laughs> Pifok heading over to the Bundesliga? One of the dis- one of the divisive ones, man. I feel like there's a lot of yeah. divisive ones, though. Like guys like Aronson are. I feel like everybody we've talked about so far, other than Adams, it's been like not divisive. But even Adams, man, who I think shouldn't be divisive, people are like, no, no, don't start Adams. Let's go double pivot. And I'm like, come yeah. on. But anyway, yeah. So Pfock, yeah. Like, listen, if you told me five years ago we were gonna have a guy lead the Swiss league in scoring. I, like I would have been so jacked up and been like, nice, guess we got a striker, right? And like the fact that he's not the striker, very clearly, mm-hmm. I, like whether or not he even goes to the World Cup is up in the air, is very interesting to me. Um, interesting dude, man. I, I has a very unique way of scoring. Um, not unique, just he's a poach. He's a poacher, right? He's a front of the goal guy and he's really good at it. Um, he needs to be on a team that can create some chances for him. I think that Union Berlin's bringing him in because Union Berlin, I think they got promoted a few years back. And since that promotion, they just haven't been able to score. They've actually moved up the table. I think they were fifth this year, fifth or sixth. 
but they just scored 50 goals. They couldn't score. They scored 50 goals. So I think they're looking at it going, this guy's going to bring some goals. What I'm worried about is their style of play obviously doesn't – and I've watched them play a few times. I don't know them that well. But you can look at the stats and know that their style of play doesn't generate that many chances and that many goals. So that's what I'm kind of worried about and interested to see is like, is he able to generate goals when his his team isn't just like, you know, chalking up the chances, which obviously young boys were doing in in, in Switzerland. That's just what they do. How good is he going to be when he isn't getting, you know, however many chances per game, right? And easy chances to kind of, you know, gain his confidence. Um, yeah, but man, it's, it's, it's a cool move. Like, I can't wait to see, can he score 10 to 15 goals? And if he can, and especially if it's early in the season, he's scored in the Bundesliga. We got to figure that out, man. Like, I, I know yeah. we have a way of playing, but like, we got to figure out how we can to, to the fit point, how we can fit him in. No, if he starts, if he starts the season scoring goals, then that, that, that is a, um, a fly in the ointment to say the least in, in the U S men's national team circle, like a good fly in the ointment. Cause that would shake things up. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with your assessment. I mean, watching PFOC play, he's not going to offer you a lot in the buildup and combination. He's, he's not going to be uh dynamic and pressing. He's not really dynamic in his movement either. He's not that type of player. Uh, he's just looking to get, get on the end of, um, of, of, of crosses. And, um, th- that type of player can score an awful lot of goals for you if you're set up to play that way uh but as we as you kind of move up in quality in the world game um teams are expecting more and more from their forwards so you know a player like that is not really going to work out at like you know real madrid or chelsea or barcelona or something like that uh but he could certainly um play at that level in the Bundesliga Uh, I'm I'm as curious as you are to see how it works out for him uh let me let's move on to a couple of other guys because we're uh we're getting we're getting low on time here uh it looks like Zach Steffen is going to get that loan over to Middlesbrough uh so one of the huge question marks uh for the national team is going to be who which which of our keepers is actually going to be playing professional soccer as we head to the World Cup so it sounds like Steffen is going to be uh be getting regular minutes, albeit at a step down. Uh, we know the thing on Stefan is he's had some real high-profile prof- blunders. Um, how much of that is Zach Stefan, and how much of that is rust from not getting a lot of games? Your thoughts on the uh, Zach Stefan Middlesbrough move? Prove it, right? Like, this is it, man. Like, this is what we needed. Like, now go prove it. Prove that the mistakes were rust, and mm-hmm. you're, he's going to get the chance. You're going to play week in and week out now at you know at the championship level which isn't the highest level you're not gonna be facing insane offenses so go prove that you can be solid because that's what we need we just need somebody to prove they can be solid and trustworthy right and if he doesn't if he proves that actually this isn't this is not uh this is not the exception this is the rule i do make mistakes to me that's also good for us it's not good for us but like at least we know and we don't go into a world cup with a guy that we're unsure about and we're like, uh, hopefully he doesn't make those mistakes and we can go with somebody like Turner who maybe we're a little bit more, you know, set on as not making these kind of, you know, goalkeeping blunders. Yeah, uh, that, that's about all that needs to be said on that particular situation. Uh, another big question mark is going to be at the center backs for the U.S. men's national team. And right now, we are putting an awful lot of faith in the uh, whereabouts of Chris Richards. Uh, it sounds like uh, Bayern Munich are, are going to be uh, allowing him to move on this offseason. There's been a number of suitors that have emerged for him. Uh, Crystal Palace and Southampton are, are among the favorites in the Premier League. There's also mention of some um, uh 
Spanish teams. It's not, he's going to be commanding somewhere like twelve to fifteen million dollars for this move, which is which is a decent chunk of change. It's not like it's it's not the amount of money that you would pay for like a, a wait and see kind of prospect. It's not the amount of money you would pay for like a, a proven veteran either. But it's 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 you know you're expecting something from him whenever you get to your club. Uh, what are you kind of hoping for for the uh, the Chris Richards move? Do you think a move for the Premier League would be good for him? Spanish Premier Premier Division. What are, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I like those kind of clubs that you just mentioned, right? A Southampton and a Crystal Palace. I'm going to be super selfish as a USMNT fan, like. I want Chris Richards prepared for the World Cup. What are we going to be in the World Cup, especially if we're making a knockout stage run? We're going to be absorbing. Like, as much as I like to think we can bring it to people, I think we can bring it to people. It's just not going to be, like, in possession all game. So I love the idea of him uh, just being battle-tested in the Premier League. You know, just having teams come at them, him being able to defend some of the best and most physical attackers in the world day in and day out, and not necessarily being in a style where he's going to be possessing and passing which I think he can do, but I just don't think that's what we're going to be doing in the World Cup, honestly. Maybe yeah. a few group stage games, but like after that, we need dudes who we feel like, you know, which Zimmerman's kind of proven this, like we can absorb with that guy right in the back. And like that's the question mark for me with Chris Richards, and I think it is for a lot of people. So I want to see, once again, another prove it. I want to see, I'd love to see him be able to prove it in a situation like a Southampton. Yeah, I, I was really hoping this summer that between EPB and um, CCV and long, like somebody would step up and at least relieve some of that pressure in that spot that, you know, if, if the Chris Richards move doesn't end up perfect and he's not getting playing time that, that, you know, we're, we're not in, in the worst situation in the world. I don't know that we got that over the summer. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I don't know that any of those guys were particularly convincing um, in that second center back spot. So at this point, I am really hoping that Chris Richards could find a spot where he can play um, and show that he can play well and play at a high level. That is something that we really need. So I'm nervous about this spot. I would love to see him at, at Southampton or Crystal Palace, particularly because uh, both those teams appear to really want him. And, and I think that's yeah. important. You know, I think that's a, a, a an overlooked thing in the transfer market. Like how badly do these coaches want this player? Do they see them in their plans? You're paying $15 million for a guy. You're going to give him a shot, you know, like you just are. And um, he's going to play pretty darn bad for you, to, for you to not really ride it out. So, yeah, I like it. One, one player that has gotten a lot of headlines for uh, – kind of off the field different reasons uh this summer has been Haji Wright. Uh Haji Wright is is probably going to leave his club. He's heavily linked to uh Hull City of the English Championship. He's also linked with uh Spezia of Syria and he's linked to a Turkish club. Let's give this a shot. Trabzonspor um of the Turkish sport. League. Yeah, there you go. Uh so Trabzonspor? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. Um it it's looking like this Hall City thing is going to be the the move for Haji, which which would be exciting because then you'd end up in a situation where um where Daryl DK Haji Wright and Josh Sargent are all in the same league, um so that would be fun. Uh, but what were your thoughts on on Haji in this situation? Yeah, I'm not a not overly impressed by Haji. He hasn't never been my guy um, in this mix. I I started watching him more this year as he was scoring more, but. Um, seems like a worse PFOC for me, uh, a little bit more of a poacher style and just doesn't seem quite as good at it or, or as big as PFOC, but yeah, I, I love it. Championship, put them in, right? Just put them all in the champ, put all of our strikers in the championship. Let's see who comes out of that pot. I like that. I like that model. <laughs> yeah. I, I, 
I, I don't disagree with you, man. I, I think he, he is similar, more similar to a Haji Wright. Uh, I mean, uh, more similar to a Peafock than to a Pepe Ferreira Sargent type of striker, a striker that's more involved in the play. Uh, so, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you there. Uh, I, what, let's, real quickly, what were your thoughts on uh, the Greg Berhalter comments uh, on, on oh, Haji Wright? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, those have been for those around, who man. need context. Uh, yeah, Craig Berhalter throughout his U.S. Men's National Team tenure has just never said anything badly about any player ever. I mean, he's been going above and beyond to protect players. Uh, in, in the post game for the uh, uh, the the uh, the last game of World Cup in the Nations League, uh, uh, I'm blanking Salvador, on who right? he played. El Salvador. Okay, yeah. the last I thought it was El Salvador. In the last game against El Salvador, Greg had some comments where he's. They weren't overtly critical. They weren't over-the-top critical, but he yep. was saying, you know, he was disappointed that Haji didn't seize his opportunity. Uh, it's not the end of the road for Haji, but we're always disappointed when a player doesn't, you know, grab his opportunity that he had. And they just really stood out because we haven't seen Greg make comments like that in the past. So, quickly, your thoughts on uh, Haji Wright and, and those, those comments by Greg. As a 13-year college head coach, I'm like a nerd for that sort of stuff. What coaches say after games, what coaches say to the public. I just love that stuff. And, um, you know, I, there was so much pushback when I kind of said, man, that was weird that he said that. I'm not even saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying it was weird, and I wonder why he did yeah. it. People are like, stop critiquing Burhalter. And I'm like, I'm not really even critiquing him, man. I'm just saying, why did he do that? That's interesting. I went back and watched like four or five other interviews after really notable bad games where you could easily call out a lot of dudes. And he, in all of those games, he ne- I'm talking about like all of our World Cup qualifying losses, pretty much. That's like what I watched. Like all the, the, the all Panama the, one in particular the is the one. one that everybody talks about. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I, that was, I was like, you got to call He went out. above he and beyond to protect players in that game. Nobody out by name. Nobody. He could have yeah. called out Musa. He called out a lot of dudes. So it's just really weird. And I thought Haji's, I thought Haji's half in the mud was like, okay. I didn't think it was great. I didn't think it was bad. It was fine. Like, he created a couple nice things. He had like a nice sideline run. He had a nice little move and got a shot off. He wasn't that bad. Like, I don't know. We've had so many worse game by strikers. Yeah. So really weird. I, I I just wonder what the, I'm not even going to, you know, try and say what it was, but I wonder what the genesis of that was and very out of character. Yeah. Maybe, you know, who knows? Maybe he was just frustrated. Who, you know, who knows where Brawlhalter said was at, but. I'm assuming that there was specific instructions that he had for Haji in that game that he yeah. wasn't executing off the ball. That's, that's what it seemed like to me. And I, yeah. my read on it was like, I think that one kind of got away from Greg. I think he was he was trying yeah. to approach it one way, and it came out just a whole different way. Um, so I, I thought it was a bit out of character, but still kind of revealing about what's going on in the striker situation for the national team. Uh, let's sure. see. Luca Della Torre is certainly uh, on his way out of uh, Heracles. I, I, I haven't seen many rumors connecting with any clubs at this yeah. point. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on uh, Luca Della Torre, where he could potentially end up? I'm excited for this one. I, I seems like the right time for him. And I really would like for him wherever he goes, I'd like for him to just be at a club that um, is just more forward thinking and have guys that, you know, are playing with him. Who I think whenever I watched him play, I felt like maybe I'm just, you know, really Luca biased at this point, but like, I always felt like he was like the kid on the youth team who like knew how to play and nobody else knew it. Like, I just like, he was doing mm-hmm. stuff and I was like, nice. And then the next guy would get it. And I'd be like, no, like, don't pass backwards there. Or like, oh, that's such an easy, like, next pass. So I'm excited for him to play at a place where all the advancing attacking play that he does, um, you know, can actually pay off and fit. And, and I don't know where that is. I, 
I'm always an advocate that if you have a chance to go to like a really good club in a second tier European league, like I love that move for people. I, I think guys thrive there. So I don't know if he'll have that kind of opportunity. I would much rather him do that than go to like a relegation fodder or second tier club in a bigger league um, where he's going to, you know, maybe not even play. Like, so I don't know. I don't know what the move's going to look like, but I'm, I'm a fan of, you know, the young boy, you know, RB Salt, you know, RB Salzburg, that kind of model. I don't know if those are good fits for him, but I like those kind of clubs. Yeah, I, w- I would love to see him in the uh, in the Spanish division. I think his game would translate really well for that, or the Italian league. That would be fun. I would not like to see him go to the EPL. I don't think that would be great for no, him. I agree. Uh, but yeah, I, I think we're all going to be looking to see where he ends up and kind of um, what how he ends up playing. I mean, Luca Delatore has just become an absolute fan favorite for for the national team, and you know. I tell me, this is kind of my theory. I think a lot of times, whenever um, fans kind of start criticizing a player out of nowhere, a lot of times it's because they want to prop up another player. I I wonder how much of the Tyler Adams criticism, the genesis, is wanting Luca Delatore to start for the national team and kind of tearing down Tyler. Yes, yes, yes. It's like, you know, honestly, it's like it's a counter thing. It's a counter culture. Oh, I'm going to be counter. I'm going to have this other yeah. opinion. A lot of times it's just about like this sect of the fan base likes this guy. So I think it's subconscious. It's like, so I don't like that guy. Right. And I think that happens with guys who lean more MLS when, you know, the Euro, you know, leaning dudes start going with Luca De La Torre. They're like, no, 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 he's not good. And then it happens the other way around a lot, I think, too. But Listen, Luca is not world class. Like he's not that great. Like I'm just being honest. I love him, and I think he's really good for us and what we need right now. And he could become better, but right now he's a solid player, right? And so, like, let's not go overboard with what level he should transfer to either. You know, like he should transfer to some sort of mid-level European club where he could get mm-hmm. his footing under him and start to thrive. You know, he's not some mid to high table top five league guy that is not it that that will not be a good move for him in my opinion yeah he he's certainly a higher level than the players that were um kind of the extra midfielders at the start of world cup qualifying yes he's better than legit he's better than rolled on he's, he's better than those guys he raises <laughs> that's the level. all we're looking that's all we're looking for is we're just looking to raise the level for us yeah. right and then a lot of people take that and they go well you just think he's world class and it's like no i don't like yeah, yeah, it, it has to be the players either the best or they're the worst. That's kind of how how we live, but uh, I don't think that's true. Particularly for uh, the next player I want to discuss, uh, Jean-Luc Abusio. Uh, Jean-Luc Abusio uh, was with Venezia. His club got relegated. He has a um, uh, part of his contract that say that if he gets relegated, he can seek uh, a, a, an opportunity to leave. Uh, he's been linked to uh, a couple of teams in the um, Serie A. He's also been linked to Ajax. Uh, what's your thoughts on, on Jean-Luc Abusio? Yeah, I mean, I had some strong thoughts on this the other night and got in some strong debates, healthy debates, but strong debates with a bunch of people. So I think the Ajax thing, so I think what happens in a lot of these, I, I have a good friend who's an agent, sports agent, but basketball, not soccer. Um, and actually one of former high school teammates is a soccer agent. I don't talk to him a lot, but I, I do, I have talked to him a little bit about stuff like this, but my, my really good buddy who's a basketball agent, um, you know, says this thing that like, when you hear these rumors, right. And I, I have a good friend who reports on NBA basketball, who I've known for years and years, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski, who's now become big time with ESPN, but like, oh, Woj yeah. would always say that, Woj would always say the same exact thing. He would say like, you know, like, and he doesn't Woj very clearly does not do rumor mill stuff now. 
because it's just not reporting. It's so hard. Everybody's pushing narratives on you, right? Like agents, teams, right? Like teams are pushing rumors. Agents are pushing rumors. You know, managers are pushing rumors. Like it's coming from everywhere. So when I see a list of clubs that was like put out with Busio, I'm like, hmm, what makes sense here? What doesn't make sense is Ajax to me. It just doesn't, right? What makes sense with Ajax is I would generate some Ajax interest so that these other clubs that are actually the right level for him are like, wow, cool. Hmm, little Ajax interest. He must be even better than we thought, right? Or wow, like there is a demand for this guy. So I better go get him, right? I'm going to increase the urgency for teams to get him. This is a very clear and obvious sports thing, right? It's not hidden. This is known. So when I see Ajax, it's like, does he fit Ajax? To me, he doesn't. Like, could Ajax be a cool experience for, for two years? And could he develop at Ajax, you know, given how good Ajax is at developing players? Yeah. I just don't think it's optimal. I think the high percentage chance if he goes to Ajax is he would get lost in the mix at Ajax. They're looking for world-class young dudes to develop and put on the field. And no, they're not always world-class when they get there, but they're guys who they feel very strongly can develop into. Look at the guys they sell, right? I don't need to sit here and list them. A guy that can sell for $40 million, $50 million, you know, dollars. That's what they're looking for. I don't think that's Busio. I think Busio is a really good young player. I think he has potential. Maybe his upper end ceiling, if he reached it, would be to potentially be that kind of guy. But I think a much more likely scenario for him is like, go, go kill it in the Eredivisie. Playing for, you know, a mid-table to even like, you know, mid to upper table team. You can play for those guys. Go kill it and mm-hmm. be the man. Don't sit on the bench from 20 to 22. You know, trying to like prove you can play for some upper echelon club. Go to where you're wanted. This is my my basketball coaching recruiting thing. Go to where you're wanted, man. Like you're going to love to play and you're going to get better playing. You know where you don't get better? It's hard to get better on the bench. It just is like it's hard to feel motivated. It's hard to get better. It's possible, but it's hard. Yeah, it, it does seem like he's wanted. It seems like that there's there's a market out there for Jean-Luc Abusio. Very, very young player who's already had a, a t- I mean, a ton of uh, really good experience. He's gotten opportunities with the national team. He's been the guy for his club over at Kansas City whenever he was a really young player um, and, and then just got this experience in Syria. where let's not forget, I mean, he came into Venezia and was pretty much an established starter on day one. I mean, he got in that club right away and became a really important part of that club whenever they were playing really well. Um, he, he kind of fell off towards the end of the season, but let's not pretend like this guy is is not able to play at that level. Like He absolutely is. He's a good player. Not quite a fit for what the national team is doing right now, uh, but I think he's absolutely of quality to play on the national team if we were playing a style absolutely. that fit him more. Uh, I, I, I think and, he's and, a and fantastic listen, in four, player. And listen, in four years... Could, could really yeah. get there. And I, I kind of got some crap the other night when I was saying this as somebody who like doesn't like Busio. I love Busio. I just think at times we need to slow our roll with where we push our guys to, right? Not, it, where we, what we say doesn't even matter, right? But I'm just, you know, yeah. we're all part of this debate. Just slow the roll. Like they don't, it doesn't have to be Bayern and Ajax and Chelsea. Like there are great clubs out there that are great fits and it is not a failure if you don't go to Chelsea. It is not a failure if you're a basketball player and you don't go to Duke and you go to the low D1 school or you go D2 or you go. These are not failures, man. And like in our society, way too often, it's like top or you fail. And like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, just like let's slow our roll. I think our guys can go to some high end clubs and thrive. It doesn't always have to be the, you know, the, the ones that we all know the name on the front of the jersey and that we've been watching since we were kids. 
Yeah, you look at the uh, the Mexican national team and, and see where some of their top players are at, and they're at they're at clubs like uh, uh, Raúl Jiménez is at Wolves, and uh, he he put together a, a solid few years over at Wolves, um, just a, a spot where he can year in and year out be the guy for that club and put up good numbers. Um, you look at where Chucky Lozano is and where Tecatito is and where uh, Edson Alvarez is. I mean, none of these are like the elite top, top clubs in the world, but it does give these players an opportunity to uh, just contribute w- week in and week out for their clubs. Maybe not so much Tecatito. I think he's he's uh, he's moved on from uh, his club and he's in a better situation now. But anyway, this isn't a Mexican national team discussion uh, i hope our guys can Adam, start to like find that model though man you know yeah. that, that's that's my last point that i'll leave you on is like yeah big transfer discussion like i want our guys and the agents surrounding our guys and the people that are helping to influence them to just like keep working to figure out what the best fits for these guys are because fit is going to equal more development and more development equals a better national team right so it's it's part of the market and, and i think the market is just changing every year and and i'm speaking about the market for mls and and getting players out of mls because a lot of these players uh that's that's where they start out um and and maybe five years ago uh you weren't seeing as many transfers out of mls and if you were they were for like 10 15 million dollars which is you know we go back to that how much are they investing versus what are they getting and kind of what ends up happening with that investment if it's too much money too soon you can be in a tough situation now we're seeing players leave mls for like five million dollars you know uh which is not as big an investment for these clubs and it it makes a more flexible situation but what happens in the coming years with MLS? Are they going to be retaining these players for a few years longer? Um, is, is MLS going to grow to the point where um, these players don't necessarily need to leave at 16, 17 years old? Maybe that the top, top guys do. Maybe the ones that are, are just like the premium blue chip prospects do. But maybe the, the, the next tier of guys can stick around for a little bit longer and kind of develop. And, and we don't see as many situations where guys are going to Europe and kind of sitting on the benches during their formative years or, or getting bounced around like a, uh, like a Brian Reynolds type thing. You know, that's not what you yeah. want to see. You want to see these no. guys continue to develop year in and year out. But anyway, uh, I, that's that's my list. There's a few other guys out there. I mean, there's John Brooks, who we don't know where he's going to end up. Gabby Salonina is in this really interesting situation where uh, the Chicago Fire is playing hardball right now with Chelsea and Real Madrid, which I feel like should be a sitcom. Like, that just sounds like the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of players uh, potentially on the move right now. But I, I think we've got it from here. Adam, I, I appreciate you for coming on. Can you tell everybody where they can find you? Yeah, uh, Stan USMNT on Twitter. Um, that's the spot right now, man. I'm excited uh, Excited for tomorrow night. Big night. Let's go qualify for an Olympics, and uh, let's, let's go watch some great soccer over the next couple of years. Exciting time to be a fan. Hey, exciting two months of transfers coming up, too. I'm excited for it. Absolutely, man. I mean, the the tournament has been fan- the U twenty tournament has been absolutely fantastic to watch. So much fun. The quality of those players, the technical ability, their tactical understanding and awareness has just been great. And, and I love that there's not a lot of pressure on these guys to save the national team. We're not really worried about that from this group, which is a really cool spot to be. And yes, the silly season. I mean, I, I did a transfer video like a week or two ago, and, and already so much has changed on the transfer front. We just got news coming in like every few days uh directly um directly hitting some of our top players so it's going to be an interesting few weeks an interesting few months to say the least guys thank you so much for watching for adam my name is sam this is the yank report brought to you by bet online 
thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.